Our guest is a comedian, actress, and writer who has starred in ABC's Sons and Daughters. She wrote, produced, and starred in the Funny or Die series Lizzie and Allie, a mostly true story, appeared in Curb Your Enthusiasm, as well as the reason why we are here today, uh, the invention of lying. Wow, I just took one of the biggest poops of my whole life. Thank you very much for, uh, for being here today, Allison Quinn. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Before we get into the uh, questions, I wanted to put out there that we have the challenge in this interview, since we're doing uh, the invention of lying, that um, one of these, one of the answers to a question of your choosing will be a blatant lie. And at the end of the interview, we'll put our heads together, try to determine which one that was and see if we can figure it out. All right, I'm going to pass this. All right. So once again, thank you for coming on here. So we're going to go ahead and get started in three, two. So let me ask you this. What passion went into practice first between stand-up, film, or theater? And when did you feel that initial spark and that desire to become a performer? Uh, That's a good question. I feel like I always wanted to be a performer since I was like three. But I would do different things like, you know, do sketches with my friends. And I would always like, uh, if I was staying at a friend's house for a sleepover I'd sneak downstairs because her parents would be watching Saturday Night Live and I would watch it from behind the couch so I always wanted to perform and but like it was really weird because I didn't want anyone to tell me I couldn't do it so I kept it to myself mostly um Mm -hmm. I tried out for the play in high school and I didn't get in Um, But also my drama teacher in high school married a student. So if that tells you anything about like, it wasn't a great loss, but I was very devastated to not get in that play. I think it was Greece. And then I went to college and did some stuff there, but not really. And then I moved to New York. I was working in a lot of films, like on the production side of things. But I was so jealous of the performers. So I lied because you can't like, you know, production's 14 hours a day. So I said I had a doctor's appointment and I started taking improv classes. Like they would let me out because I think they thought I was going to the psychiatrist. Yeah, that's always tough when you're not when when you're not uh, at least chasing your full potential of what you what you aspire to be. And then you put yourself in the position like to directly see other people that are doing what you want to be doing. It's got to be tough. Yeah. I mean, I think it was tough, but it was good too, because then it, you know, maybe I would have never taken that leap, I guess. And then I went to um, acting school for two years and then I did a bunch of theater in New York and then I moved out to LA. Jealousy is a great motivating factor. Jealousy and revenge. Yeah, yes. I, I was going to say that my greatest accomplishments are, are owed to uh, vengeance on something or somebody. That's, uh, yeah, it'll really get me. It's better than all the coffee in the world. <laughs> um, so the common perception is that you just make it and then everything is uh, everything is golden from there. It's just kind of like a cakewalk. Um, that's, you know, that was my perception when... Uh, when I started pursuing the dream, I thought we just, you know, get this one movie sold and we made it, we made it. So there's, but there's, as we talk to people, we realize that making it is a journey that's really never ending. 
And I was wondering if you could speak on that from your personal experience for the aspiring actors out there, maybe um, give, make, you know, put a little balance in their expectations. Well, I don't know. Has anyone ever said, yeah, no, it happened overnight for me? No, okay. not that I can it, think of. Um, I feel like there's like a couple of people that that happens for, but yeah, no, mostly it's just a lot of hard work. Uh, I think a lot of people get something like right away, you know, and then they're like, oh, this is easy. And it kind of reels you in. And then there's like years and years of taking classes or doing, you know, like I notice now, I don't know if it's because I live in LA or what, but I don't know any younger actors that do theater anymore. Um, everybody just takes like a, uh, like an audition class. And so I think that it's like, I feel like there's a difference between people that want to perform and people that want to like be a performer. It's like influencers. Like there's people that just want like, Oh, I want to be in a magazine. And then there's people that enjoy acting or performing. But I mean, it sucks most of the time, except for that time when you're working. So I feel like you have to really love it to keep at it. And yeah, like most of the job, most of the work is like getting the work. And then that's the fun part. Yeah. Somebody we talked to said something really interesting that, you know, if you're getting auditions, there's so many people that are going for an audition. And if you don't, if you're not the one that gets picked, you think, Oh, I didn't get the job, but the job was getting, you got the audition. That's enough work in itself. You prepared for it and you have to look at that as be as working steadily have you um like i i totally get what you're saying about you know the influencers wanting to be famous versus actually liking to perform i'm thinking of like the hat the the medium in the middle there where the it's somebody that they they want to perform they genuinely love the art of performing and acting um, but they just want to be able to do, they want that to be their career. They don't want to have to divide their time and attention trying to, you know, do this other thing in order to make ends meet while they do this on top of it. Have you ever, have you, you know, since the first, since you first made it, I guess, did you have to, have you ever had to go back to work or anything like that? Oh like, yeah, they, I'm they, working they, now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, because I think there is like a misperception of like, yeah, everyone wants that, right? To be able to just focus on what they love to do full time. But if you are starting out or if there's a pandemic or if there's a writer's strike, which is what happened after Sons and Daughters got canceled, there was a writer's strike. So we missed a whole pilot season. I mean, I think that will kind of show you how much you really love it because mm -hmm. it's another frustrating thing about it is, you know, if I wanted to be a lawyer, I could go to law school and then you could probably find a job as a lawyer, but you could study this forever and there's no guarantees. You know what I mean? So yeah. the harder you work, I think, at prepping yourself for those auditions, the quicker you can get through the work you don't like to do. But I also think that if you view that work as sometimes like I'll trick myself, like, oh, I'm doing research for a carrot, you know, because they suck. Mm -hmm. But like, you just have to know that it's feeding a bigger purpose. Because another thing that like a lot of actors are really smart people, 
but they have to take jobs that are below their education level because they need the flexibility or um, yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, you just have to like, like find ways to support your own mental and emotional health. Like I think to keep going. That way. What's that? It's, it's, I said here. I thought I was the only one that felt that way. I'm glad to see I'm, no, I'm okay now. That someone else you. has said it. So yes, and it's it's taxing when you have a when you have a full time job on top of a full time like pursuing something. But on the the I guess the the silver lining there is that because I, I've worked m- m- you know mindless mundane jobs and. Uh, having that thing that I do outside of it is almost a source of sanity. Like this, this job is not me. This isn't, this isn't what I'm here for. This is a means to that end. And, yes. it, and also just gives you something to think about while you're standing there trying to get through eight hours. Yeah. Oh, like I, I think what you said is like, so true that like those jobs don't define you, right? Like um, they're just a means to an end, but they can become really trying And then I think that, like you said, which is, you know, they say it in acting classes all the time, and it's so much easier to, like, intellectually understand, but not necessarily, which is getting the audition is already a victory. Like, if you get a callback for a commercial, only one person gets the job, Mm -hmm. but maybe 30 other people didn't get called back, so it's hard to look at those as victories when you haven't worked in a while, but they are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So in 1991, you played a minister's daughter in secrets of the unknown, a documentary narrated by Martin Landau about paranormal events. Um, Do you remember what the story you started in uh, involved? That's so weird. I actually don't, but you would think I would. I think it was, about oh wait I think I do remember now okay so this was about this woman that had been killed in her house uh this was in Phoenix and they chopped off her fingers to get her jewelry and then they just left her fingers just lying around on the table and then we went and stayed in that house and we were sleeping in the same room and I saw a man walk by the doorway all right. <laughs> okay. Now, so is that, did this happen in real life or is this a reenactment or, and second part to that question is, have you ever had a paranormal experience beyond that? Yeah. I feel like I've had a lot of paranormal experiences. Yeah, no, that's like a real life story, but I'm trying to think of my other paranormal stories that I've had. Like I've, had I've woken up before and there's been somebody standing at the end of my bed and they weren't really there. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. It's the worst. My, uh, my parents, when I was uh, like 10 years old, we had just moved to Florida. They bought uh, this door from Home Depot and the door had like uh, the head of Baphomet, like in the ingrained in the wood it created like a perfect like an artist depiction of the head of baphomet and i remember so weirdly i mean this is the bible belt so uh-huh. you know the the woman at lowe's she was like if you get this door it's going to be a hex on your whole family they're all going to get sick and it you burn it just burn it 
they didn't. They put it. I thought it was really cool. I was in a Metallica white zombie. I'm like, yeah, but Baphomet. We put it on the my room, and uh, my brother got my brother got really sick. He shared the room with me. Our little brother, little brother, um, he got really sick. My whole family got sick. I woke up one night, uh, six to twelve inches above my bed, and couldn't move. And and it freaked the hell out of me. And then as soon as I started freaking out, I fell. And I would have thought. I would, this was in my, this was, a, I was sleeping. I was dreaming or I was imagining it, but I, I felt myself fall. I didn't, I never woke up. I fell and I ran straight out to the kitchen and I was up for the rest of the night. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a weird experience. I just want you to know he's never told me this story before. So I don't, I don't want you to feel like I've known this and I, I'm hearing it just as you're hearing it. I'm hearing it. She's like, no, bro. Like I said, no, I believe it. But like, <laughs> did your, did you finally get, did you get rid of the door after that? At that point, we finally took the advice of the uh, Lowe's employee and uh, or the Home Depot employee and, and, blew, and yeah, burned it in the backyard. We will uh, unseamlessly segue right into something a little uh, more lighthearted here. You yeah. starred as uh, Sharon Fenton in Sons and Daughters. This is produced by the great one and only Lauren Michaels. And uh, I'd like to read a single quote that is listed for your character on IMDb because I think it was great. I was going to name you Pony Boy. But then the epidural wore off, so I named you Jeff because it's sporty. I haven't seen this show, Sons and Daughters, but that in itself made me want to watch it because it seems like it has that, like, uh, the the biting, quick comedy, the flawed characters that are sweet, kind of like a modern family situation almost is the vibe I got just from that quote. I'm, I'm judging everything off of this single quote that I read. Um, but can you tell us a little about a little bit about the character that you played on the show? Yeah. So um, it was a show that no one watched. It was on ABC and it was kind of like Modern Family two years before Modern Family. And so it was just about this family. Like there was this guy and he was the main character. He also like created the show with a friend. I was his younger sister. And then our real dad took off. So he was married. I was married. I, everybody has kids like basically just out of high school, if not still in high school. And then our mom got remarried and had a kid. So it was basically like a 16 person family. Like it was this huge family in the Midwest and the dialogue was all improvised. So uh, oh, nice. it was like curb your enthusiasm, like where you, well, for curb your enthusiasm, you just get like a slip of paper. Mm -hmm. that, for your audition and that tells you like what your scenario is and then you'll just improvise from there but like for sons and daughters we would get our scripts would all be um basically outlines and so we just improvise and then if there was there would be writers there and if they thought we missed something we would do that you know like they'd say oh you mentioned this or whatever but it was really fun so that was very intriguing thank you so much what did you enjoy, enjoy most about playing sharon Finn? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, let's see. What was the thing I liked most? Well, I just love, I liked all of it. I loved all the people. I love that they let us do what we want. Like Sharon was sort of like, I didn't think this at the time, but she's sort of a maniac. She's dissatisfied with her sex life. Like the husband never wants to have sex and she does. And like, it was just fun to have kids and sort of like that wasn't my real life experience, like being married and living in the suburbs and having two kids. So it was just fun. It was just a blast. I don't know. 
That's what, what, what's it like? Um, oh, I like the paycheck also. Oh, what? I'm sure. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Yes. Lauren Michaels on there. Um, like, I didn't realize it was all improvised. And that's, that's really interesting to me. Like, what is, would you prefer that over a script if you were, like, if you were to do one thing for the rest of your career? Uh, uh, I mean, I like, <laughs> I like throwing out the really impossible ultimatums just to. <laughs> Um, if I had to choose one thing for the rest of my life, yeah, then I guess I would go with improvise over scripting. I don't know. It's just fun. That's, I mean, it's, it speaks a lot on the, just your abil ability to perform because when I think of improv, I, I like the idea of improvisation, but when the camera starts rolling and it's like, all right, it's the, the intimidation and the pressure mm -hmm. of, or, or worrying that my mind's going to go completely blank um yeah that's i don't i don't usually volunteer myself into social situations without a script <laughs> well um, i also think ideally like you want to do like when you are working with scripted material you want it to feel improvisational right like you don't want it to feel like it's so canned and rehearsed yeah. so that's maybe my favorite is like having a script okay so i'm gonna change my answer if that's okay I would love to have like something that was lightly scripted, but they let you improvise and make it your own. I like that. uh, yeah, that's I like that. That's it. That's it. That's, it. that's yeah, the one scene. That is yes. That's um, what I want. All right. So now, as long as Instagram isn't a liar, yeah. it seems you made a friend for life on that show. And Eden, is it Eden? I can. I didn't know how to pronounce her last name. Is it Cher or Sher? It's Cher. Share okay, you see, share share ruined it for everybody because now S H E R doesn't look like it, yeah. anyways. Um, I loved her on, I loved her on the middle. Uh, I was wondering what it, what it's like working with her and what was what was like the bonding factor for you guys that led to your friendship. Well, she played my daughter, and it was both of our first TV shows, and I just like. She was 13 when I met her and she really had those braces in real life when I met her. And I just, I don't know. I just loved her right away. And then I, we just got close. I don't know. And then like, I used to be able to, cause she was so small. I used to be able to carry her like a baby <laughs> like this. Um, and like, you know, she would have to go to set school and I would always try to get her away and have her come hang out in my dressing room with me. And she was just cool and fun and a really good little actor and I loved her. All right, so we're gonna jump ahead a few years to 2012 through 2015 to talk uh, talk about a show co-created and starred in uh, Lizzie and Ali on Funny or Die. Uh, Eden Share actually appeared in an episode. Now, the premise of the show is Lizzie and Ali are two best friends handling real life situations with unrealistic expectations. Where did the idea come from for the show and uh, um, how did it actually come to life? Well, it's Lizzie and Allie, and Allie is short for Allison. Um, hmm. So not Ali. It's not Lizzie and Muhammad Ali or Muhammad Ali, or the great Elijah Honorable Muhammad Ali. Not no, it's Allie. Yeah, yeah. All right, no. we're gonna go with that. All right, cool. Probably. So it came about because I, you know, like another thing they always tell you for actors that are wanting to do things or getting started but don't you know, in the times that you're slow, make your own work. So I was in an acting class with Lizzie 
And then we had lunch one day and we were just on the way there. We hadn't seen each other in like about a year. And we were like, oh my God, you're not going to recognize me. I'm so ugly. Oh, I've gained so much weight. Oh no. And it was like, oh, you think you look bad? This is what, like, I, there's no way I don't look worse than you. And it was just kind of funny. And then I had a friend from New York who was coming out and she's like, let's shoot something. And I remember Lizzie had said like, oh, I think that would make a funny short. So we put it together, the first one within 24 hours and shot it. And then it took like months to get edited because that's what sometimes happens. And then we put it on Funny or Die and it just started getting a bunch of views. And then we had another, we had an idea for another one um, that was at a wedding. And then um, that got a bunch of views too. And then after that, like they started asking us to make them. So it would be a combo of like, them asking us. And then the one Eden was in, we were trying to get more money from them um, to make a series. And so that was called Image Doctors. And it was us helping famous people with their image. Like they don't need help, but we think that they do. So, and then we had another one, they did come to us and hire us. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. It's called the Milk Channel. Mm-hmm. So do you remember when like iPhones, they put like the U2 album on everybody's phones and they didn't ask. So Samsung had this thing that they were going to do and they installed the milk app on people's phones. And so they had a partnership with Funny or Die to create content. So they hired us to make some content and we did Fireside Nats, which was a talk show. That's also on YouTube, but so we did a bunch of things together. You know, we had written and pitched some pilots and then sometimes they just don't sell. I don't know if you were familiar with that either. Um, I'm familiar familiar with stuff not selling that we've done. I'm definitely familiar with that. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like 15 feature films and, um, I'm familiar with that times 15. Oh my God. 15. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a hot minute. Um, no, I just I, I make them make them for myself now. That's what I tell myself to go to sleep at night. He didn't um, have me for all fifteen though, so he's tre- he's trending in the right direction. Okay, good. Have you watched that show, um, Generation Hustle? No, it's on HBO. But they there was one about this guy that like it was really sad actually. He took advantage of people that like wanted to be in the film industry, so he pretended to be like this like investor like from around the world and he hired these screenwriters and he would just hire people and be like, I need you to fly to Indonesia. And they go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they thought like, (laughs) they thought this was it. And like, he made up like letterhead for himself and like, well, we're going to get this in at the fire film festival. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I watched, uh, I watched the, the, I think I watched the first episode of Lizzie and Ali. I watched, I know I watched the episode with uh, Eden Share where you guys uh, um, kind of like accidentally kidnap her. Um, the first episode was great. Like you said, you guys are driving in the car going to meet each other. Um, my wife was like standing behind me. She's like, let me guess. They're both going to get out of the car and just look amazing. Right. And then when you guys got out and went the other direction with it, it was, yeah, it was great. And I mean, image doctors was really funny as well. Oh, thank you. I literally forgot about the one where we kidnapped Eden. 
Oh, it was, it looked like you guys had a lot of fun making that. Like, yeah, it, it looked like, it just looked like a lot of fun. It looked very natural. Like you guys just kind of, uh, I know it probably wasn't this, but it looked like you just had a blast in an apartment for a few hours and just captured random stuff. And then the editor was like, had, had some fun with it. But that actually is a great segue into the, the I kind of want to get into how you make these shorts uh, because I think a lot of aspiring filmmakers could relate to this because there's not a lot of names in the credits um, at the end of these. So I assume it's like, it's you guys with a very small crew probably pulling favors. And if you could just take us through what it was like to put together a four to 10 minute episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like pretty much everything you just said is what it's like. I think if we had to do it all over again, or if I was recommending to someone, like we really did just do that first one. And then Lizzie had the idea for the second one and then people started watching them. So we're like, well, let's make more, but we paid for them all out of pocket. And if we had to do it again, we would have done something like the fireside gnats or the image doctors, because we just kept making them one by one. And it would have been way smarter to plan them out so that you can shoot multiple in a day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they ended up and like, at first we didn't get a sound editor. And then by Mm -hmm. the end we were like getting sound editors, we were having color correction. So we learned a lot by doing things wrong and talking to people. The reason that we ended up stopping making them was just, it did become too expensive. And like Mm -hmm. at a certain point you exhaust your favors. Um, Yeah. I mean, we paid where we could and we would pay other people before ourselves. So that was the good thing about doing the milk ones. We could finally pay people that had done us favors, um, which also like I do this. I don't know if other people are, but like keep hiring the people that helped you, you know, like and put your money into the things that really matter, like. If you don't know a friend who is a really great DP, you have to find a really great DP. And there's ways to do it. And there's people that are always looking for experience. Um, And a lot of people will help you out and then be like, and it's totally understandable. At a certain point, they're like, I don't want to like, now I would want, you know what I mean? Like they won't do it for free anymore. And I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that the other thing, which is always feed people well, that goes a long way, but really have your script down. And we wouldn't rehearse so much because we didn't want it. We knew what we were doing and we didn't want to get bogged down. The other thing I would say is if people want to be actors and make their own stuff, it's probably a good idea to get an outside director. It's just too much, especially if you haven't done it before. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I would say plan it out. The more you can combine in one day, the better, but there's ways to do it. It's just like, maybe then it's kind of fun, right? Cause then it's like a puzzle. If you only have this amount of money to spend, what story can you tell in a mm-hmm. location that you can always have, you know? I think you said it perfectly. It's more, more so we talk about this all the time. We talk to people and we see people who have a lot of ideas and then they're like, no, we got to rework it. We got to rework it. We got to rework it. And we're like, no, you got to put it out there. 
then let it grow. Learn from each project. You don't try to create a masterpiece and say, here's my Mona Lisa. No. First, you got the canvas. It was wrong. Got the paint. And you keep going until you get where you need to be. So that was that was a great answer. Um, I was going to ask you this. Uh, oh, actually, no, I think you're coming up. But I want to say that was definitely a great answer. And you gave a lot of advice that that a lot of artists really need to hear. So thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> but I, I totally agree. It is. It's it's fun putting together. And I, I love when um, you know, when something goes awry or something or a location falls through or somebody can't show up, it's like we wrote the original story so we can rearrange things as needed. And this is just an opportunity to be creative if we need to fit two things into a single location that was supposed to be two or if yeah. two characters now have to become one. But at the end of the day, we, we have the it's 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 opportunities to be creative it's a way to look at it i think yeah and you um, just reminded me of something else the image doctors we did with eden we shot it at the film studio where our camera person worked our dp and he told us he had permission to be there and they showed up and we did not and he's like where's your insurance we're gonna need a deposit and we didn't have insurance and so it became like this huge thing our director ended up loaning us her insurance but we had to we had to pay the studio he's like you didn't even rent this so we ended up having to give them a couple like i think it was 350 he said he would take like i feel like i sweated and i don't even sweat like so many emotions that day and there's just stuff you're gonna learn and you're gonna learn some of it the hard way it's already happening yeah yeah it's uh just I've, learned, I've learned in filming sometimes you ask for forgiveness before you ask for permission like, oh we're not supposed to be here we're last day guys i mean it's like it's just you get what you can let's talk i i i, I never brought up somebody's social media directly on here but your instagram was just so hilarious to me uh one of my initial questions uh, was that the Elaine, what what the Elaine Stritch um, hashtag was all about, because I, I loved her and screwed with um, Norm MacDonald and Dave Chappelle. I just think she's hilarious. And I saw, I was seeing these hashtags or whatever, but then I got that answer when I found the image doctors. Um, however, there were a few other things that I hoped that we could discuss to uh, just because I, I after going, it's like I got a really good good trailer for a bunch of movies on your Instagram, and now I want the full story. Okay. Um, okay. Well, well, first of all, one of the first things that I noticed was you have one of the most unique, fantastic, awesome, uh, super capitalistic, all those words. Uh, your your handle at Quinn underscore Manuel underscore Miranda. <laughs> Tell us how did you come up with that? Is awesome. Talk to us, please. Well, it used to be Quinn and Tonic. And then I got sick of that. And then I was like, what else rhymes with Quinn? And it was around <laughs> like, I mean, like, I think it was at the height of Hamilton rage, fever, not rage. So I was like, oh, Lynn, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Quinn Manuel Miranda. So I changed it. And then everyone oh. kept it. <coughs> I apologize. No, are you all right? Young plate. Man, he's dying. But, I mean, but <laughs> oh, aren't we all? Oh, <laughs> well, I'm glad you got yeah. to hear that answer. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, in case. That's your main word. What if that was like your, the last thing you heard? That would be so sad. I'd be all right with it. It's, um, I asked for it at the end Maybe. of the day. <laughs> I think you should aim higher in life. 
No, um, if you're if you're unhappy with things, you, your expectations are too high. That's what I, I, I put me in a room, nothing in it, and I will figure out a way to make the best of it. This is a. This is what we got. I'm happy. Okay. God damn it. That's, you got it, kid. I don't. That's a paragraph. Okay. Do I apologize? He doesn't um, like to drink water, and now you see why. Yeah. Um. So we uh, we notice a reoccurring post of a bunch of uh, Bernie's flakes, um, as verywellmind.com says, is the uh, number one common street for a common street name for cocaine. Bernie's, I wouldn't know. Bernie's flakes. I wouldn't know. I've never um, heard it called that before in my life. I never have either. I I googled what uh, common street names were to. Um, to talk about this question and Bernie's flakes was literally number one on the list. I think they meant like Bernie flakes. Like he hasn't been to work in a while. He's flaking on cocaine. That's the only thing I think of. Um, or I, I wanted I to think Bernie does cocaine though. That's where I get confused. Uh, I would say like, that's true. That's the only but one. I would think like Rex or, um, oh, no, no. Er, Bert, Bert and Ernie, Bert, uh, well, well, them together would be a cocaine. Bert and Ernie. Well, Ernie. yeah, that, I could see that. <laughs> Booger sugar. Um, <laughs> I, I want This is a terrible. off the rail. This is shaping up to be a serious question, though. <laughs> we're, we're prefaced it terribly. <laughs> um, so, are we correct in the assumption that the post on your Instagram about this is like uh, to celebrate kicking that particular habit for what is going on sixteen years now? No, it's not quite sixteen years, and it wasn't ever a habit. Um, it was a occasional, like maybe five times. And so my friend had a New Year's Eve party. I think it was New Year's Eve. And I went to her house and she's like, I can't buy the Coke. She's like, you have to go and pretend that you're me. So I went in a car with these two guys I had never met. And of course I was like, I'm going to die. Like, this is how I die. And my mom will think I was a drug addict and uh, they'll find my body like behind this liquor store in Hollywood. So I went and I pretended to be my friend and I bought the Coke. So I had it in my purse. And then everybody all night long was coming up to me being like, hey, can I get it? You know, so it was a really fun party. I was very popular. And then <laughs> yeah. um, I remember someone coming up to me and being like, and this is why I wouldn't do it anymore is because like it was maybe only like the fourth time I'd done it. And it was like Gollum. Like people were like, is there any more? And I'm like, Mm-mm. like it's out. And I was like, my precious. So I had held on to some, but then I forgot about it. And then about a year or two later, I got that purse out again and I found it. And then I was so astounded that I had it because like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it, but no one holds on to coke like it's not something it's not a safe like it's not super safe lie. that would seem like the lie that i held on to a bump of coke so this new year's eve will be my bump of coke's 16th birthday and i feel like i need to put it in like a hot wheels car and take a video like get it out there um, yeah, that's yeah. Gotta take it to the DMV. Let it get a yes, test. Yeah, yeah. get a real ID oh. so I can travel the world. So I do still have it, and I'm. It's just sort of a point of pride, and it makes me laugh that I still have it. 
That's what intrigued me so much about the post was uh, because I have a, a terrible lack of willpower. I have a, a very addictive personality. I have to protect myself from from putting myself in the position to have to say no to something. Um, and if I do something, it's either I don't do it at all or it's the only thing I do. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's weed or ecstasy or fruit roll-ups. Like if <laughs> if I like it, I'm doing as much as I can until it runs out. And that's and so cocaine was something that I never I, I tried a few times and I was like, this could be extremely bad. I need to get away from this and never look at it again. This is no longer a safe environment for me. But it, it was just crazy to me, like that you were able to hold on to it for so long. Um, it would not last that long in my hands. I think that Dennis from Always Sunny, he was talking about crack, but essentially the same family. He's uh, um, talking to his sister on when they get addicted to crack on one of the episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She's like, they wake up the next morning after binging on crack all night. Unless um, you have more crack. No, Dennis, I don't have more crack. No one in the history of crack has ever woken up in the morning with more crack. Anyways, yeah, that's speaking... why I can't believe I had it. And that's why I was like, this feels like like one of those Jesus potato chips or something that is just so rare. It belongs <laughs> in a museum or something. So I keep it. But I wouldn't do it now. Like also I want like I've Googled a couple times. Like, would it still work? I don't think would it, it would. Oh, okay. That's cool. This is like the Wolf of Wall Street. It'll be like a three-hour delayed reaction. Like, man, I keep doing it all of a sudden. It's like, oh, no. This all happening. Yeah. yeah, the, the Gollum uh, the reference is perfect. That's, that's like the best uh, PSA for not doing drugs sometimes is watching other people that are doing drugs. Like, oh, no, I don't want to look like that that's or totally put myself right. in the position. Um, some people can handle it. I know, I know a few, I know very few people that, um, are able to function on that specific choice. Um, speaking of cocaine, let's talk about Courtney Love. Okay. I love your, uh, annual Courtney Love holiday card tradition. Um, and this is a three-part question that is yeah. based on that. Uh, would you play Courtney Love in a biopic of her life? How did that Christmas card tradition begin? And do you think she did it? Um, okay. First of all, I would absolutely play Courtney Love in a biopic. Uh, she would probably want to play herself. Like I <laughs> love her. I think she's like, if I was the president, I would make her the poet, poet laureate of the United States. Like she's honest. She's honest. And her songs are really amazing. And I love her. So, uh, I would play her in a biopic. I don't, I'm trying to think of how the Courtney Love, I can't remember how I started dressing up for Courtney Love for Halloween, but I just always did, like I did for a number of years. And it, it was really easy because all I had to do was put on a blonde wig and then smear makeup on my face. Like yeah. you don't have to be good at makeup to do that. I do not think she did it. And I take offense to that <laughs> on oh, her behalf. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You're already, you're already in character. It's good. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like there's no way she, I don't think she did it. And I think that, you know, she lost, they had a very passionate relationship. She lost her best friend. 
the love of her lifetime and the father of her child. Like that is hard enough without people, I think, speculating on whether or not you killed your husband. Yeah, so I concur. And yeah, I mean, I feel very protective of her. Um, and then I don't know how the Christmas card came about. I was just, I think I like to do a funny Christmas card every year. And then I, think I was just looking at Halloween pictures and that and the idea of powder fresh powder and holidays came up and I was like oh my god this is it so ever since I did that one though I won't do it I'm done with Christmas cards I'm not doing it anymore it's hard to top that one so I I, I would definitely say that now you posted a royalties check uh from curb your enthusiasm in 2014 for work you did on the bar mitzvah episode in 2007 so first how was the baked potato from Wendy's the baked potato was very delicious. Thank you so much. If I want to pretend that I'm having healthy fast food, uh, I'm a hypocritical vegan, so I'll get a Wendy's baked potato with cheese. Extra kraut. Um, yeah. No, no sauerkraut. Just oh, okay. cheese. They used to do cheese and broccoli, but they don't do that now. And then also... The check I put, so it wasn't my check. It was Richard Lewis's check and it was for a bunch of money. Oh, well, okay. Let me ask you this perfect segue. Now for aspiring actors, can you talk about the reality of royalty checks? Because I think some people think you do want to move, but like, bro, he's been getting millions for years off that. Like the reality of royalty checks. Yes. Um, it really varies so much. Like a lot of my friends post pictures because you get a lot of them for three cents or $2.50. Like I did get one for Curb Your Enthusiasm the other day and it's for $4.05, but that's a cup of coffee. But like if you have a commercial and it's still running, then you can get one that's for, like I did a Chevron voiceover. I'm serious. We've been together what a super long time. And I would get checks for that. That would be like, $4,500 oh, while it was nice. still running. Yeah. Um, but I still get it through mention of line checks mm-hmm. and I still get curb your enthusiasm checks. And then every once in a while I get a sons and daughters check, but some people still get like really great checks. Like if obviously if you have like a huge part in a movie, mm-hmm. you're going to get more. Jack Nicholson made out with that Batman contract. <laughs> Man, he is still yeah. Let me ask you this: before we get back to the gram, what was it like working with uh, Larry with the legend that is Larry David? Oh my gosh, it was really fun. It was so scary because um, he is not a chit chatter, and I had auditioned with him, but just on set, I was nervous. At first, I wasn't doing like I could tell they were like, I don't know what she's doing, and then just like. I feel like it's, I call it a drug moment. It's now I'm going to sound like a drug addict, but it, there's like, just like, you know, like, uh, like I felt in the zone, like just all of a sudden, and then it was amazing. And by the end he gave me a hug and I was like, Oh my God, that's so amazing. And then they were like, don't leave yet. And it was supposed to be the last episode of the series, like ever. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what if they want to put me in another scene? And now because I shot my stuff and I'm so excited, I'm like eating chocolate chip cookies at craft service the size of my head, just like nerves and excitement. And then I saw Jeff Garland at craft service and he was like, 
your audition was really tremendous. He's like, you did a great job. And so I was like, oh my God, like, what if, you know, cause I'm sure like every, every job that you do, you're either like, oh, it's going to get cut. Or you're like, well, what do I do when they want me to be on this forever? You know? So mm-hmm. he was just really fun to work with and he is hilarious. And, um, I didn't come back ever. And the show went on without me, but it was really fun. Um, yeah, it's gotta be a crazy energy to tap into with so many, um, just great actors literally living in the moment and the, the energy that must cultivate must be like, so, um, to, to perform in that it's gotta be great to, to be in that moment. Yeah, it was really fun. And then, um, Mindy Sterling, she was in, um, Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. She was in that episode and I, like, I knew people that knew her, but I had never met her and she's just like a genius. And then another thing, which you haven't seen probably is off my curbs audition, Larry Charles was directing, a similar pilot, like a improv pilot with Kanye West. Oh my gosh, Mr. West, we are so glad you're here. Thank you so so much. It's like a dream, like a wish come true. So yes. they offered me the yeah. part of the Make-A-Wish lady in the Kanye West pilot. And so I did that and that was really fun. Is he here? Yeah, is, he's is right he in front of you. Excuse me, ma'am, I'm with the Make-A-Wish kid. I can't even see him right now. So that actually was, there. there was, that was shot. Mm-hmm. It never saw the light of day, though, right? God, it was um, okay. I don't know what to do here. Uh, <laughs> you want to get your hands on that tape, huh? Yeah, yeah. I just I'm really wrapped my head around. Um, so I just I want to see this so bad. Julio, yeah. could you um put the PSP down maybe and talk to Kenny a little bit? Kanye. I'm sorry. Kanye. Oh, I'm from Ohio. We say Kenny. That's how we pronounce it. Well, I don't care where you're from. You pronounce my name Kanye. Oh, okay. Let's go. Kanye. 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 Yeah, okay. Like Kanye Rogers. I learned in the stream. Again, I guess I got intimidated easy. I was like really scared um, because I didn't know what he was going to be like. But he's actually like a really good improviser, I thought. And... At one point, he said, I'm the world's greatest living rapper. And I was like, maybe he is. Like, how can I argue with that? So um, it was fun. It was two days in a hotel out by the airport. But it was also just, I don't know. Anytime I can work, I'm most likely not going to hate it. Yeah. I really wish that Larry Charles uh, Kanye West thing happened. Walt Disney, Nike, Google. Um, this next question probably is not going to help our interview as far as uh, laughs, but um, oh, no. in 2016, you posted some screenshots from a guy named Charles Burnley. And again, when I was doing this, I, I, I had the, the, you know, the, the marijuana for breakfast. Um, so there's that. And then I'll just continue. Um, He was making some pretty far out accusations against you, uh, ranging from murder to having firsthand knowledge of who jerked their chicken to the thought of the murder. Um, 
he even brought uh, James Comey into it. I kept going back and forth between is this a is this like a really well played out joke or is this real life? Is this really happening? Um, if you're comfortable talking about it, I'd love to know uh, a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so I don't know this guy, but I had a friend that I went to that I was friends with from college and they had met. And for some reason, this guy became obsessed with my friend Rob. And then somehow, maybe because Rob and I were writing to each other on Facebook, he then, he clearly has schizophrenia or something. Um, but it was super creepy and scary. And we would try to get him to stop. Like we tried to get restraining orders. Facebook wouldn't, they're like, he hasn't like broken any. And I'm like, huh? Community um, rules. And he would send private messages that were just like threatening and scary. So like we did a lot of research on him. Like I still have like a file folder, like this big of like trying to figure out what we could do or what our resources are. And I would call the LA cops and he was in Georgia and they'd be like, no, you call the Georgia cops. And then the Georgia cops would be like, no, you call the LA cops. So one day I got a hold of his stepmother, you know, she posts like a bunch of Christian posts on her Facebook page, but she also put her phone number on there. So I called her and I was like, Hey, can you help me? Like, and she was like, Jonathan's a grown man. And she hung up. So, oh, wow. um, I also tried to call the place where he had put on there, like, you know, like, you're like, Oh, I live in, Jacksonville. And he's like, I live at this mental hospital. So I called them to see if he was a patient there. And they're like, we can't give you any information. And so Rob and I would just try and be like, well, if he comes back, he's like harassed. I'm like, he's harassing and threatening people. I didn't, I mean, I, I guess I should have assumed that this might go down the route of schizophrenia. I, I've recently lost a friend with uh, that was struggling with that. So I've got I've got no jokes or quips as far as that story goes. Um, I was really just I was really just intrigued because if it was a if it was a uh, bit, it was played out extremely well. And the fact that it isn't is just crazy. I mean, when someone like that is troubled mentally, it is it, when they're when there's that instability. It's like unpredictable of uh, if you could end up the victim of just oftentimes it's just themselves, but you never know. Well, right. That's crazy. Like I have empathy for the fact that he has schizophrenia. However, like he's harassing people and it just was so frustrating that the people in his life, like that his family is so done dealing with it that they're like, not my problem anymore. Yeah. 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 That's uh that's a deep story. To try to to try and bring it up a little bit now. Yeah, yeah, you, you set me up for that. Like, yeah, bring us back, Mr. Royal. Bring us back. Uh <clears throat> we saw a photo from September 2016 from a comedy event uh to raise money for human rights for a human rights campaign. Now we noticed uh Kate Flannery, Bussy Phillips, abusey Phillips, and uh Tig, thank you, and Tig Nataro. Uh can you tell us about that, please? Yes. Well, that was actually a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton. Oh, okay. Awesome. And we did it because we wanted to raise money for Hillary. But at the time we were like, 
It's not like she's not going to win. Of course she's going to win. So <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So we just had like a bunch of like, I think going to like the improv places that we all took classes, like every, a lot of people like Kate, I knew Kate Flannery from that place. And so there was just a lot of, um, we all wanted to do something and we all wanted to get together and perform. And so we contacted the um, Hillary campaign and we're like, we want to do this. And then our friend Carrie is friends with Tig. And so she asked Tig and then I don't know who asked busy, but someone asked busy and then she did it. So we, we had like crazy, amazing people. Yeah. It was an awesome lineup. It had to be a, a just a lot of fun to put on for sure. Yeah. It was so much fun. Um, um, but a waste of time ultimately because Hillary lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just kidding it was that was, a, that, was a, that was a crazy time the whole world was very very certain of the fact like there is no way this lunatic that uh, reality show host is going to be oh shit <laughs> yeah what a wow I know. hindsight um, i remember that day of like being like going to vote and being like the first woman president love is like the air felt amazing and then by the end of the day like we were all like just crawling back into bed. Do you have a yeah. baby? That was no, uh, no, that, that was, was just me. baby royal over here. <laughs> um, yeah, no, what blew my mind about it, I don't want to get political on here, so I'll just leave it at that. I but I, I, I have so many uh, Christian friends and family, and I just don't know how they could make those two worlds meet. Like, she's wrong because of this, but I'm voting for him, the pussy grabber. Like, yeah. where? Yeah. Anyway, you just anyway. have to like delude yourself to make those things comparable in some world. Um, yeah. So should we not talk about your governor? Oh, uh, please! You please feel free. I will. Uh, I'd love to hear any any shit that anybody. Have you seen any of his billboards? Or no, that that would be the mayor of Jacksonville, not the governor of Florida. Okay, yeah. Uh, just the same though they're equally terrible oh what really you, what, what do you not like about him well i didn't because i couldn't sleep i was watching youtube stuff and i haven't the good news about since biden's been elected is that i haven't been watching a lot of, i don't feel the need to like monitor news all the time anymore um mm -hmm. i needed a break from it but i was watching some youtube and i guess i'm just not so familiar with him and just some of the stuff he was and i'm like you're getting people killed probably yeah, well, um, any mandates that he puts out there is going to affect Disney's bottom line. And that's like what's keeping Florida afloat is the taxes that come in from there. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, the mayor of Jacksonville is spending thousands of dollars to put up billboards in other places to tell people to come here. Um, Cold just world. looking like a big <laughs> jackass. <laughs> In Los Angeles, I think he's got one right now. Just, uh, oh, really? I, I, yeah. I if I see it, I'll take, what's his name? Um, oh, man, I'm Peyton. No, that's that's before. I don't even remember the new guy's name. Uh, yeah, not at the moment. I can't think of it. He doesn't register in my world, so I'm fine. Yeah. Well, if I see Mayor, it, I'll take, I mean, if I see it, I'll take a picture for you. 
Just look for a real, like a big, dumb looking asshole with his hands out, like telling you, make it a one way trip. Like, dude, you can't even pay for it. Oh, you the... want people to move there, not just visit? Yeah, no, leave your, leave your shitty Chicago and come here to shitty Jacksonville. It's like you're spending all this money on billboards to tell people to come here. Meanwhile, you can't fix the roads for the people that do live here. Like, mm. And uh, and then knowing the start of marijuana legislation, this Florida is so ass backwards. We're we're like trying. Whoa, to tiger! Whoa, there. tiger! There you go. Oh, you guys <laughs> don't have competing with Texas for the most ass backwards country, state in the country. Um, anywho, there's a, a photo of uh, Larry Charles on your Instagram writing for a production at Hero Theater, which you played Vanna White in. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was. Um, I think that was a fundraiser also for Hero. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. So they had a bunch of playwrights write stuff. And then Larry and his son, Francesco, who I knew, um, wrote a piece. And so I did that. And it was like, I think we only did one performance, maybe two. We also, this is political. A lot of it was political, I think, because we also did a version of Heather's. Um, and I played some horrible woman from Arizona and I already forgot her name. And then I played Vanna White, which is who wouldn't want to like play Vanna White one day. All right. STL any. Now, speaking of pictures, now we did notice you had a few photos with uh, the, the man that made my childhood and now my adulthood all that it can be. The great Stan Lee. Rest in peace. How did you guys meet? Well, I met Stan Lee because one of the jobs I do to make money is I produce satellite media tours, which is the interviews on the talk shows before the Today Show. Okay. So, like, if you're watching and you see someone being interviewed, like Stan Lee, if they have a book out or a cooking segment, like, I produce those. So, Stan Lee is easily one of my most favorite people to work with. And then he would come in and, like, everybody would just geek out and be so excited that he was there. And he couldn't, he could only do, like, maybe an hour. Like, sometimes they're, like, three or four hours worth of interviews. But he could only do, like, an hour and a half. But he was so impressive. At, like, 90-something, he was still going into the office every day. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be. It was really depressing for all of us when he died because it was shortly before we would do like our annual thing with Stanley. He's so cool. Well, and then everybody would bring in their merchandise for him to sign. And I was like, oh, you guys, because I was sort of in charge of that. And I'm like, this is no. Like, I'd have been like, Allison, I'll take care of Eric. You guys got to hear Stan real quick. One more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's what it would be like. Like, and it would be fine if there was like one or two things, but by like the fourth year we were working with them, people were like bringing in it. And I'm like, you can have, ask them, everybody can ask him to sign one thing, but you can't bring like a whole suitcase worth of stuff. Yeah. The, the, I don't know the specifics or remember too accurately, but it, it seemed like the, what made his passing even more tragic was just like the vultures surrounding him around the time of his, or, or around that time before he passed, like after his money. Mm -hmm. am, I, am I correct in that? No, that, that was, that's very correct. Okay. Um, what makes the screenshot from Firestarter the perfect self-portrait for you? 
Um, I wish I could set things on fire with my mind. <laughs> okay, I went very literal with it. Okay. <laughs> like the remember, for, oh, was it Jason? A friend of was just Jason. Yeah, Jason, like sometimes uh, I just get really mad. And I want to set things on fire with my mind. It's like the set sixth or fifth, the fifth or sixth day. The girl with telepathy, she could set stuff on fire. She set Jason on fire. She's uh, every other every few months. There's a picture of young Drew Barrymore just with the flames. It happens, like man. Portrait of the day. Not that you'll know I'm in a really bad mood about something mm-hmm. um like like an extra bad mood but also i think they're remaking it and i'm so upset so what what would the large marge what what does the large marge uh portrait represent on your mood scale of <laughs> instagram depictions i don't remember doing large marge Okay. You went on a real deep dive, man. <laughs> but I don't do large marge a lot. Like Firestone. No, I think that was a one. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Now there's plenty of photos on your of your stage work, including Danny and the Deep Blue Sea, Lady Biker Gang at Sea, and Den of Thieves. Can you talk a little bit about your experience on stage versus your experience on film? Sure. Uh so because I started in New York, I did a lot of plays um i'm trying to think of like some good quick theater stories for you um i did a play one time in new york called blood wedding which is like this spanish play that's like a classic and we did it in the round and i had friends come and they insisted on talking to me throughout the show um so that was rough i did a shakespeare outside once Oh, once I went to Washington, Connecticut, I don't even have time for this story to do the importance of being earnest in 2000. Some guy rewrote it and it was a nightmare. Um, They were like, we'll feed you. We'll put you up. They put us in this like weird little cabin and the food they gave us was like spaghetti and white bread. Like that was it. Oh my gosh, Jesus Christ. So we sort of revolted, but it was a fun time. And then Danny and the Deep Blue Sea was a play I always wanted to do. I We did it in class and it went really well. And then the guy that I did it with, we just wanted to do the full play. But then the teacher was like, I'm going to sue you guys because she wanted us to give her credit. It was crazy. People get crazy. So there was that. And then Dennis Thieves was a play I did a couple of years ago. And the day the LA Times came, our stage manager was on drugs. He was on... Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to go with meth, but if I was like, a, if I had to put down a bet, I would say meth. So there was like subway sounds, right? So the people who are producing it had like a shift at a restaurant. So they left their, they forgot to bring the power cord for their computer. And so he couldn't access the sounds. And he showed up, first of all, like 45 minutes late was definitely drinking because he had like wine and like a cup, like one of those cups you can see through, you know what I mean? Like a paper cup. And we're like, Hmm. (laughs) So he's 45 minutes late. The LA times is there. And it's like subway sounds and city sounds of New York for Den of Thieves. He like did it with his mouth. Like he was like the guy from police Academy trying to, Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was horrifying. It was horrifying. Does anyone have the dailies from that one? Please, I'll pay anything. Oh my I God. hope. I mean, I kind yeah, of I would now, it. but it was. Like, 
I read about that story on your Instagram and I took it completely different. I was like, oh, wow, this is like a harrowing story of like things didn't work out and the dude stepped up and made it oh, happen. No. Anyway. He stepped all the way down. He stepped down. No, no. Oh, my God. Was, was the release good? <laughs> were, I mean, were the sound effects good? No, no it was just... like, I mean, like the actors just had to like go on and pretend like it was fine. Yeah. But we were all like, oh my God, what is happening? Like this, I just want to melt into the earth. <laughs> I think also like, usually you don't like to know who's there when people come. And I yeah. think before like he came out and he was like really wide eyed and like, hey, and he's like, the LA Times is here. And we're like, awesome. Thank you so much. Also, you're 45 minutes late. Like, let's get going. Wow. So that might have been the best story anyone's ever told on the show. I love that story. That might have been the best story I've heard since we started doing the show. The worst story is our best story. No, it was just some guy in the background making noises. In the booth. So it's going out through the speaker. But he's also trying to be like, it's not like he's being people in a restaurant being like, blah, 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 blah. He's like trying to be like, chugga, 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 chugga for a New York God, yeah, you have to be on some serious uh, uh, Bernie's well, flakes to. Uh, <laughs> so they let him go, and then <laughs> the um, lady biker gang. We did a bunch of that, and then we were going to do one right as the pandemic was. It was supposed to be March thirty first of twenty twenty, and my friend was like, "I think we should cancel," and I'm like. I think we'll be okay. And then it, we realized what things were like. So we ended up canceling, but we had done a show at that same theater, the Hudson, where we did Den of Thieves and that guy is back. And I think he's doing well now. Like, I think he's- Oh, that's good. That is good. I think he's quite healthy our- and it was nice to see him. And also I think the LA Times was, they clearly did not enjoy the show, but they could have been- way worse than their review than they were that, that was nice that, yeah. that was nice I mean, yeah and geez. so that was my last time working with that theater company i think it was time to go yeah, no, nobody wants to be judged by their worst day Whoa. i don't um, know if that was his worst day i'm just, just a typical i'm trying to put a nice I'm trying to put some icing on the top of the cake before insert tarantino now man that's what yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's three, two, one. Let's talk. The reason why you're here, other than to talk to us about people, you know, recovering in life and getting better and making sounds with their mouth off of meth. We're here to talk about the invention of lying. And I'm talking to somebody. What did she take? Two a whole poop? Two whole poops? Like yeah, a big, it's it's a big poop. The biggest poop of her life. Yeah. What are you having? <laughs> wow. I just took one of the biggest poops of my whole life. What are you ordering? <laughs> The uh, the uh, well, we we just watched it last night and tonight, and your your part is hilarious. Where you oh, just thanks. like I I just took one of the biggest poops of my whole life, but then the way you look down and are like, you know, the the characters in the movie don't really have the the sense of shame because everybody is just always telling the truth, but you're just so nonchalant. Go you know, segue right into what are you ordering? Like <laughs> oh, this is happening now at a table where dinner is is being served. <laughs> this is the perfect punchline and the way you, you way you convey it was awesome um and this was this is like 30 45 seconds into the movie maybe and it's one of those i remember the first time i saw it uh 10 years ago i think it was it was 
there was one that was one of the moments where it was just like this is going to be an awesome movie because they said poop yeah. in the first like they were not even amending them i got i got a poop joke what was uh what was your part because it seemed like the those um those like talking head moments in the beginning that could easily been like a second unit production did you did you get to work at all or interact with uh gervais or was that second unit I can't wait to get big enough to have second you to you. Yes. Yeah. So though a movie's being made and I'm not even there. Okay. You, uh, so you, just, well, let me ask you this then. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the casting process and how you actually got the role? So my agent was friends with the casting director and she's like, Oh, I'm trying to cast these roles and we need someone that can improvise. And he's like, Oh, I have someone for you. So then I went in and they had me say some things that would fit in that world. I don't think, the line in the movie is what I said. I don't actually don't even remember what I said. And so I did that and then I got it. And then that was a horrible, that, that day of shooting was really bad. Not like the shooting itself was great, but the bad thing about it was I got there and they were doing my hair and makeup, which as you can see, I'm not great at doing it myself, but like I was excited. Like, I was like, oh, a Ricky Gervais movie, like, you know, whatever. And the lady was like doing my hair and she's like, God, I really wish you would have washed your hair today. And I was like, I did wash it. I washed it like an hour ago. And she's like, it looks so greasy. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so she's doing that. And then wardrobe comes in and they're like, "Uh, because I'm really short. I'm five feet tall. Like I don't write five zero because once, do you remember that show Oz? Yes. Jail. HBO. Yeah. So when I lived in New York, I got my first TV show audition ever for Oz. And I went into audition and I'm wearing like a schoolgirl outfit, it's like playing one of the prisoner's sisters. And I had like redded hair then. And I was wearing like a cardigan and a little pleated skirt. And do you know who Terry Kinney is? He's like an actor, but he directs now. Like, if you look him up, you'll know who he is. But so he came out and he's like, can I talk to you a minute? And I'm like, yeah. And he was the director. And I'm like, oh, wow. Maybe I won't even have to audition. Like, this is amazing. I'm still in acting school. Because I was looking at all the other women and they were, they all had red hair. They look like biker women. And he goes, "Um, so I'm not, this character is very suspicious specific so we're not actually going to see you but thank you for coming in so because I'm five feet zero I think they read the little inch mark wrong and thought I was five ten so that is a really boring story to tell you that I always say I'm really short so first of all you can cut this part out because it's so boring but this part's okay we're back to the fun stuff the lady (laughs) that wardrobe lady was like I wish you would have said you're petite and I'm like, I'm five feet tall. Like I, what, of course I'm petite, but second of all, when you do the digital size cards, there's no option to say petite. So unless they fix that, I can't do that. But I say I'm five feet tall. You should know that that's petite, right? So she was like, now Cynthia has to go out on her lunch break and buy you a jacket. Like it was just this day of like, oh no. And then they were shooting and I was waiting outside with the other people that were doing the talking heads. 
and they got in trouble for talking. And then finally they were like, listen, we're going to throw you out of here if you don't stop talking because we can't hear on the set. And they go, it wasn't us. It was her. And they pointed to me. Wow. What the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah, that had to be one of those experiences. Like, am I, have I slipped into the twilight zone where everybody's an yes, asshole? Yes, it was so, like, I was like, <laughs> but when you're at, when I actually filmed it, it was fine. But I just remember being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, where's Ashton Kutcher at? He's going to run out with his cameras anytime now. Nope. <laughs> no, but, um, so and then they let me improvise for like 20 minutes. And I didn't know that was going to be my next question. Yeah. If you had, uh, if, if you were given the opportunity to try different lines or just, I guess, I guess the answer to that is yes. I think it was all about that, but I think I got to like elaborate more about what I saw in the toilet. <laughs> and then another, like Go if you're ahead. filming improvisation i do have a tip for people because you can't get a reaction right like it's filming so you don't know if anyone thinks it's funny i usually watch people's stomachs like the crew and the people sitting around because you can see their stomachs moving which means they're laughing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i wonder i wonder if everybody was being an asshole to you to kind of like sort of like like some ultra form of direction mm-hmm. like this person needs to be shameless they need to be totally broken down to the point where they're just openly talking about their poop all right wardrobe hair makeup everybody just dog this woman from the time she walks in it was her <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that could be the case but that would be a real strange thing to do for a person that was in the movie as little as i was <laughs> The most overachieving second unit ever. Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh. Let me ask you I this now. We know the director was really cool because he, Ricky Gervais, didn't he co-direct the movie with somebody? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And whose name I got before, and now it's slipping my my memory. He Matthew. Co- Matthew. I'm like it's um, Matthew something. Yeah, it is Matthew. Yeah. Yes. Well, they they, they both directed together. Mm-hmm. Matthew Robinson. There we go. Oh, yeah, Matthew call, Robinson. Um, now we know it was probably a short time on set, but are there any other 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 memories than the ones you shared with us that you think fans would like to know? Maybe about the process or anything, or just being there. But like you said, it was second unit, so maybe anything. I you remember think? there was a sign that said "No chewing gum on set." Hmm. Wonder why? I mean, I know no, don't chew gum while you're performing, but. I think one of the performers had an aversion to chewing gum. Hmm. Intriguing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, one last thing on uh, uh, the topic of the mention of lying, um, not even necessarily about the movie, this is just about lying. Have you ever been caught in a big lie? I'm sorry, trademark, copyright. I know that's... Oh, that you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Have I ever yeah. been caught? Yeah. I'm sure I just can't think of there's so many <laughs> um let's see we're actors damn it we're not doing our job if we get caught David a lie I know you were I knew you were going to ask me this and I just can't I couldn't think of anything I think I'm just a good liar 
Yeah, like you can't, at this point, it's just truth to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing of acting, right? Like you just make these things real to you. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. it. All right. So we're, we're winding up here, but let me ask you this for the aspiring actors and actresses out there. Could you give them any tip or tidbit that you picked up along the way in your experience throughout the years of, of either whether it be theater or um, like I said, or film itself? Yes, I would say don't wait for anyone to give you permission to perform and just get out there and do it and know that it will take you a while <laughs> or not. Maybe you'll be like one of the, you know, like, I would just say like someone has to do it. Why not you? There you go. Yeah. No. And I, I like that advice. Like you just, just, is that you run into that so much people are like you know i'd love to make a movie okay do it make a movie right what do you, i've got an idea okay show it to me in the form of a movie in a few right. months when you're done with it i know but um, actors are so like artists are like writers artists they're so sensitive and i think when you're new you want it so bad but like your ability doesn't match your desire and yeah. so I think it makes people really hard on themselves because then they secretly worry that they have no talent. I, yeah, I could see that being. Or they just need more practice. I've just, I've always, I, I definitely can see that side of it, especially with people that are just specifically actors. From like, from my perspective, it was just like, I was 16 years old. A buddy of mine showed me that you could do more with a home video camera than just make home videos. And from that point on, it was like, I Still am time. making movies. <laughs> I don't, um, yeah, I just, I never grasped that. Like, I'm, I'm naive with my, like, ambitions as far as, like, I, I will, I'll leap and I hope that there's something to catch me. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I get, I could totally get where actors are coming from, though, a lot of the times, so just kind of get in your own way or your uh, self-esteem or something. But um, I think I that's really great that you do that. But I even think like some writers like just aren't as maybe confident enough or like they just worry so much more about like what people think. So if they wrote something and gave it to someone, someone's like, yeah, sure. But you need to do a rewrite. They freak out that like, oh, they're bad. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely requires a certain degree of uh, hubris to... Um, <laughs> to like to just i'm a writer now i wrote something read it like let me know what you think like it takes a certain degree um this is a we got we got three questions left and then um some, some pre-recorded messages and we got the word guest we have to figure out what the lie was um so this is a little uh this is just kind of off topic but we're you're you're locked in a room for one year you can only bring one single film with you uh, which film would that be? And like you said, it, it doesn't. Goodfellas. I'll let you have the mic. Yes. Okay. Hell yeah. Great answer. Good answer. Did, did you just watch that last night? Or I, that, no, it's oh, casino, casino, but it doesn't okay. even matter. It's, it's all in the same frame. Have you ever have you seen The Irishman? Of course I have. What you waiting on, Dave? <laughs> also, I've seen it like four times, man. So that's like a wow. one day if you see it for is that that is that's my shit right there okay uh all right do you have anything in the works that you could fight at the irishman did you yes 
Please do tell with Scorsese. Okay, so there's a woman sitting next to me and she was with our guy. And like, we went to this place in Hollywood. It's like called America Cinematheque. Cause I'm like, I need to see it on the big screen. And so right. this lady was sitting next to me with her boyfriend and it was sold out. Like, and it was obviously pre pandemic, but like, so she had on like silver bangly bracelets and she kept going like this. And so it'd be like, clink, 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 clink. And then she was with her boyfriend and they talked through the whole movie. And then they made out. And I was like, so I was like, can you please stop talking? And I said it very nicely. And the guy I was with was like, I knew he didn't want me to say anything, but I couldn't, I, that drives me bananas. And so finally I was like, can you seriously please stop talking and so then she glared at me and then he glared at me. And I'm like, I don't stare at me all you want. Um, <laughs> you know, we're going to fucking you move open your eyes. Just just open your mouth. Like we're all here for the same reason. Like what yeah. the fuck is going on over yeah. here? There's a social yeah, it made agreement. Me crazy. Jesus um, Christ. And so yeah, I was just waiting for like, so then it was like tense for the whole thing, but that's fine. Also, that's a long movie. Yeah. Way to be tense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. That's true. And yeah, and it started like right at the beginning. But um, I also used to work in that office. Really? Yeah. Man, look at this. You're you're just full of nuggets. <laughs> when I lived in New York, I worked at that production company. That is awesome, man. Look at that. Let me ask you this. Uh, and like I said, these are the last few here. Uh, do you have anything in the works that you can talk about right now and that you would like to let your audience or your fans know that's coming out or that's going to be in production? I don't have anything that I could like, I because I hate it when people do this and it sucks because it has been slow because of COVID. So I hate it when people are like, oh, I have something that I can't talk about it. Then don't talk about it. Then be quiet. Um <laughs> So all I could say is I'm working on like one thing that, but also the other reason I'm not saying is like half the stuff I work on, something happens and it doesn't end up happening or you'll, it never sees the light of day. And then I'm just writing stuff on my own now because the opportunity to shoot stuff has been so handicapped by the pandemic. And so, um, and then I was doing a lot of stand up right before the pandemic also. That's cool. Um, do, do you enjoy stand up? Like as, as uh, obviously you enjoy it because you do it, but compared to acting, um, is there a comparison there? Uh, I mean, they're all like, it's, I guess it's like sort of like, if you like working out, you like doing different things, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. like, but no, I like acting better than stand up. Sometimes I like doing stand up, but like also sometimes I really hate it. Um, and every time I go to do it, I'm always like, Oh, I hate doing this. Why am I doing this? And then when it's over, I'm like, that was so fun. I love doing this. I should do this more. <laughs> Groundhog day every day. Just uh, get up and go. Mm -hmm. Um, but we got we got one last question. But before we do that, I want to uh, take our guests, and I'm going to let I'm going to let you just have the guests because I have I have inside information about this interview that that damn it. So you already know the lie? Uh huh. No. Okay. So I know I'm wrong now. 
I was going to say, I thought the lie was that that lady told you that you didn't wash your hair. I'm like, nobody's going to be that mean to somebody. But that actually happened. <laughs> what, man? You already... No, uh, um, okay, you you stopped me. I thought that was the... What well, the sound effects? Did that really happen? Was there really some guy belching sound? That's documented in the LA Times. I, I'm, you stumped me. So what was the lie? I think they mentioned that in the LA Times. I think she was like, I don't even know what to write about this. Like, uh, the production's laughing. There were methy well sounds coming from the booth. That don't, yeah. so, so what was the lie? I've been stumped here. The lie is the paranormal show. So for some reason, I have a bunch of credits on IMDb that are someone else's credits. Like there's probably like six or seven years. Um, And some of it's cool stuff, like 21 Jump Street. I can't even remember what else is on there. So IMDb came in with the assist on this lie. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I don't mind that, though, because it's like your resume just always keeps building. Yeah, but then, yeah, I'm like, that's fine. But you, because one of your questions was like, why did you take a nine year break from acting? And I'm like, I didn't. That wasn't me. Yeah, I'm reincarnated. <laughs> All right. So, our final question is uh, just in closing, if you have any parting words, poem, joke, lyrics, anything that you'd like to share as a, as, as, a, as a goodbye. Can I have a couple. Can I tell two jokes? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so they're not my jokes, but they're jokes that I think are funny. So one joke is this um, guy is on death row and they go up to him and they're like, all right, it's time to execute you. This is your last meal. Uh, what do you want? And he's like, um, I want Taco Bell. I want pizza. I want wings. He's like, I can have anything I want. And they're like, mm-hmm. he's like, I want black bean soup. I want ribs. And they're like, all right, so you can have all that. So they bring it to him. Right. And he eats everything and he he's eating slow. He's drinking soda. And then it's right before they're about to execute him. They're like, any last words? And he lets out a huge fart and he goes, pardon me? <laughs> pardon me. Pardon me. Uh, see, see what you did there? Oh, yeah, I see. It, it it's so dumb. I love it. I like it that you recognize that I like poop humor. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it has a fart in it. Yeah. And here's my other joke that I love, which, I mean, if I had fans before, I'm definitely alienating people with the, my jokes and also my politics. Like, there goes half the people, but whatever. So this kid goes, like, he can't sleep. His name is Gregory, and he can't sleep, and he wakes up, and he goes into his parents' room, and they're having sex. And Gregory freaks out, and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the dad is like, don't, it's not what you think, Gregory, come on. And he takes him back to bed, and the mom is all upset and she's like, I feel so bad. And the dad's like, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. It's no big deal. And then the mom get, is still upset like 20 minutes later. And so she's like, will you please go check on Gregory? And so the dad goes and checks on Gregory and Gregory is in his room on top of his grandma. And he's like humping and humping and humping. And the dad goes, what are you doing? And he goes, not so funny when it's your mom, is it? <laughs> yes. Now, you know why that joke is funny? Why? Paul Mooney. 
Paul Mooney has. To, I've heard Paul Mooney saying. Oh, that is that, just a, is that a joke someone really tells? You know, Paul. Well, he he doesn't really tell it anymore. He's uh he's left us. Paul Mooney said he he is. We like ain't so funny when it's your mama. <laughs> yeah. So that look at you, Allison. Not not Allie Quinn. Allison Quinn. If you need everybody, give her give her a round of applause. Dirty wait, did I just say, wait? But don't then use that because I don't want to be like a joke stealer. I didn't. I thought it was just oh. like a joke that me and my sister told, not like a. No, I've been waiting forever for, to bring up Paul Mooney on this show. That was perfect. No, okay, good. That was awesome. Yeah, and as long as the as long as credit is, is uh, directly attributed. Yes, and the part of me it. joke that is not mine. Oh. Also, I don't know where it came from, but, but I've I never heard that. I've never heard that. Um, uh, I've got an updated joke. Uh, there used to be a dead baby joke, but I've 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 modified it. What do you call Donald Trump with no legs and no arms in the ocean? What? Fucked. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's, it's quick. It's easy. It's quick. It's a quick here. It's a quick here. I'll let you do, do the. Uh... <laughs> All right. And Allison Quinn, we want to thank you so much for taking your time out today. Listen, your stories are the stuff of legend. Sellers should be so lucky to tell the stories you tell and for them all to be true. Other than the story that IMDb told. But other than that, you have been gracious. You've been the host with the most, the best background we've ever seen. I'm talking about that. Whatever sound equipment you're using for us not to see it and hear that wind like that amazing so thank, thank you, you so much for taking time out of your day thank, thank you, you so much allison much. you were awesome Thanks, hopefully you, you do more films and we can have you on come back because we had a blast i, we, we, I, had I had also we talked for two hours hey listen we're bringing back communication between people people don't know how to do this anymore so i'm in your dm send me a quick emoji so i know what you mean no let's talk let's articulate ourselves yeah, yeah. thank you so much it was a All lot right. of fun thank you, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. Okay, you too. Take care. Ow!